well, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or my coaches put like this uh, emphasis on this idea or maybe it's the you know, nostalgia of us turning 10 years old as a church, but I find myself really looking back on my life and reflecting uh, you know, what God's been doing in my life, the decisions that we made, remembering why we made certain decisions and passed on others, why I just decided to pursue some things and not other things, the values that we have as a family and how they shape and, and change what we do and what we've done, the values even as a staff and leadership team here and how we've uh, allowed those to impact kind of who we are and the direction that we continue to take. And personally, I'm reminded of and thankful for how God has pursued me. And I don't mean like he pestered me. I mean early. Well, way before I was a follower of Jesus, uh, he created the question, is, is Jesus true? Is there a God? And that question ultimately led me down a path where I asked my wife one day, hey, what if we started going to church? And for me, that question had some selfish uh, motives because we weren't in a great place in our marriage, not because of her, but because of me and the road I'd found myself in. It was like kind of a last-ditch effort to save our marriage, and obviously he did. Uh, I'm reminded of his goodness and his faithfulness. I'm reminded of all the things that he's promised in my, in my life and done. But I still need to be reminded of things, and I'm sure all of you do as well. I need to be reminded that God's plan is better than a good plan. I need to be reminded that God's ways are the best ways, and still, sometimes I find myself falling short. Sometimes I take, take things back on my own hands, and I put God back on the shelf, and like, I got this one. And maybe it's just me. Maybe you guys don't wrestle with the things or struggle with the things like I do. Um, maybe you don't have to figure those things out. You, you got it all under control. Maybe you don't put God back on the shelf. Well, today, we're going to dive into a book called Deuteronomy. We're going to spend the next two weeks in this book, actually. And this is the last of the first five books of what's called the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, which is better known or commonly known as the Torah. Actually, if you've not watched, there are seven videos from our friends from Bible Project that do a great job of providing some great background, overviews, and perspective on how these five books and why these five books were written the way they were. So if you haven't watched those, I encourage you to go back and do that. Uh, Deuteronomy is a book, uh, really, it's a call to remember. It's a call to remember where the Israelites have come from. Moses, the author of this book, does his best to remind them of the history of, of where God has taken them in their journey and their rebellion against God as well. But God, in his loving mercy, provides them with law and guidelines to, to, to live by. And this isn't just so a society of people can get along and, and not hurt each other. But these are guidelines on how to show their love and obedience to God. And it's through these laws that they show their, their love and they gain wisdom, which leads to God's blessing. Moses recaps their, their history and these laws and commands that they live by. But he does it in the context that they would understand. Because this is a new generation of Israelites. This new generation didn't witness many of the big, powerful miracles that the early Israelites did. So Moses is doing his best to provide them with this history while he continues to reflect and remember himself. But before I get too far this morning, let's just ask God to meet us right where we are this morning. So God, just come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And even now, help us to remember all the blessings in our own lives that you provide. And God, if we don't know you as Lord and Savior, that personal relationship with you, would you continue to, to embark on us those questions like, are you real? Would you just reveal yourself 
in a way that they would understand and they would know that it's truly you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. If this is your first time joining us online or in person, we are so excited you're here. Again, we're headed back to Deuteronomy or heading to Deuteronomy if you're following along in your Bibles. And as Jana mentioned, if you don't have one of these journals, head back in the back. You can grab one right now. You're not going to be a distraction to me. There's a place to journal through the Bible as we go through our reading plan. You'll read what we're talking about later in the reading plan. Of course, there's a spot there for taking notes for today's message. This, these things were designed with you in mind. There's QR codes that take you to a, a new web page, and there's videos you can find from the Bible Project that correspond with our reading plan. They're phenomenal. They're a couple minutes long. I encourage you to do that as well. But we're in this series called A Familiar Journey, where the Israelites, the chosen people of God, are on this exciting, promising journey from God. They're, they're promised land and freedom. They, they, they're given these guidelines. They're literally guided by a cloud by day and a fire by night, so they know exactly where they're going. They're provided each and every day with this miracle of manna, which is this you know, wafer-like substance that miraculously appears on the ground each and every day. And I said this last week, but the days and weeks, I would guess, start to feel a bit familiar. They've seen God move in ways they couldn't fathom, and why these things don't become to feel familiar to them, we do not know. But what we do know is these first several chapters in Deuteronomy are going to do a great job of giving the historical context or summary of Israel's journey up to this point. And again, Moses is speaking to this new generation of Israelites. They're about to enter this promised land that they've heard about. They've been wandering around for, for 40 years. They've endured so much. And so much more would be ahead of them. There would be more challenges. But beyond all those challenges, God's plan has never, ever changed. And if they were going to be successful in this new land, this promised land, they needed to follow these rules, this direction that God has set for them. These words that Moses gives the Israelites thousands of years ago still hold relevance in our own lives. And if we are to succeed as followers of Jesus, it's good for us to understand what these laws, these practices mean to us and how we can continue to be familiar with them and obey his commands. So with all that in mind, let's jump into Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll look at the first three verses. And it says, these are the commands, again Moses is speaking to the Israelites, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them, may hear the Lord, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land, flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So Moses is creating the context. He's provided them with commands, decrees, and laws. And there's these, these two words, so that. So that they may enjoy a long life. They're to be careful to obey so that it goes well and they have increased greatly in the land. This is covenant language. We've seen this and read this before. It's a promise from God and he's promising that these things will happen. This would happen in the land flowing with milk and honey, which is a reminder that this is a blessed land from God. God blesses the land that's flowing with milk and honey. This is the land they're going to enter. Then he gives instructions. This is what you would do. 
And Israel would then pray these instructions twice a day. This would help them remember, reflect on, remind them of what God is asking them to, get, to do and who God is. This is what it says in the next two verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I believe this was a memory verse last year for us. The word here is the word shema in Hebrew which means hear or listen, pay attention, respond, obey. Real listening, as you well know, takes effort, and there needs to be action behind it. This is the context for the word here. So we could read it this way. Listen, pay attention, respond and obey, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses begins with the call to hear, to pay attention, to obey, to respond to the words given from God. He reminds them of the sovereignty of God. He reminds them of who he is. We have to remember that Israelites are, are prone to wander and seek after other gods. While Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from God, the people of Israel convinced Aaron to make this golden calf to worship. Right? This, their journey is just littered with idol worship. Moses reminds them that God alone is the Lord of everything. There's no need to worship these false gods that promise things they cannot deliver. The easy part for God was to get Israel out of Egypt. The harder part is to get the Egypt out of the Israelites. Right? That's a much more difficult task. It's also important to note the statement when he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Anytime you see the Lord in all caps, it's the... It's referred to as Yahweh, the name Yahweh, which is the one true unique God, the God that's I am, the self-existent one. No other gods except for this one. We are living in a time much like the Israelites are. Now, the situation certainly is different, but the circumstances are much the same. We need this newfound awareness of the sovereignty of God. We need to be reminded. We need to reflect. We need to remember we need to listen, pay attention, respond, and obey the words that lead us to action, which is his word. It's, he is our Lord. He is our God. If we would see God for who he truly is, right, in our lives, our lives would look much differently, I believe. Our worship would be transformed. Churches would be full because people would want what we have, the they want to experience the joy that we have. After Moses brings this clarity of who God is to the Israelites, the one and only God, then he promises them and us, and he says, here's how you love him. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Moses wasn't only reminding them to, to be aware of who God is, but then offer the heartfelt affection that God deserves. We are to love the Lord. This affectionate love is one that we need to consider ourselves. It's this personal relationship. It's a personal love. He isn't a God that's just known. He's one to be experienced. He was their God. He had shown them himself mighty in their lives. He brought them out of bondage and supplied their needs. He cared for them and provided them the promised land. He was worthy of their love, 
and affection because he was their God. He isn't just a God who's just far away that you just read about in some text. He isn't a God we've, we just read about in our own Bibles. He isn't a God that only others serve or have the privilege to know. He's, he's our God. He came to us, and he's released us from bondage of sin. He's freed us, and he's redeemed us. He cares for us, and he cares for our daily needs. That's his promise. Surely we can love the Lord our God, just as the Israelites have been challenged. We are called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. It isn't a love that's passive or, or inconsistent. It's, it's constant. It doesn't ebb and flow like, like the tide in the ocean. Israel fell victim to that in the past, where it ebbed and flowed. God would prove himself. They would follow him when things were going well. He was their God. They would be strong and courageous, but then, sadly, it didn't take long. It didn't take long until their love faded and they began to murmur against God. We see this over and over. They just complain. The love that Moses is talking about is a consuming type of love, not a love that is constantly changing depending on the wind. It's a love of God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. In other words, it's our whole being. It's our whole life, not just bits and pieces, not just because, hey, I'm really comfortable, God. You take these parts. I'll hang on to these. Not just the easy parts, all of it, everything. Everything about us is consumed with loving God. It's, it's a love that perseveres no matter the circumstances, even in the toughest of times. It's this kind of love that we, we need to build all of our life on is the love of God. And I'm convinced, me included, that far too often our love of God isn't everything it could be or maybe even should be. If we were truly consumed with this kind of love, I don't think we'd have some of the challenges we have in life. I don't, I don't think we would live our lives the same way. If we, if we love God as we're called to, we'd have this overwhelming desire to be with him. We'd have a hunger for his word. We'd have a hunger to be in his presence. We'd have this love and compassion for his people. We would worship to his name differently. This kind of love wouldn't just impact how we live, but it would radically impact those we live with or those we come in contact with. It would, it would impact how we view the world. It would, it would impact how we view our circumstances, even how we view our enemies. Our, our gut responses to things would start to change. Our core desires become different. I mean, think about this. If, if you've ever been in love, think about your first love or when you fall in love with somebody. Right? You were consumed with that person, with that love. Your life seemed to revolve around everything they were doing, right? You couldn't wait to talk to them again on the phone. At least that's what we did way back in my day. You couldn't wait to spend more time with them, right? You woke up. You went to bed thinking about them. This is what consuming love looks like. We're seeing this kind of thing happen in Asbury University. Well, if you've been following along, but... Uh, it'll be two weeks this Wednesday when a normal church service happened. Kids are required to go because they're in the university. The church ended service normal, and from what I understand, everybody left, and then about a dozen students came back in because there was this call to repentance, and they started repenting. And then before you know it, more students came in, and more students came in, and they came back up on stage and started worshiping, and people were repenting, and it's still going. 
Hundreds, thousands of people are flocking to Asbury from all over the country, places from all over the world to see what God is doing. That's a consuming kind of love. And if we, if we loved God in such a way that our days were planned out to spend time with him, I think our lives would look different. I think our routines would look different. If he was the subject of our thoughts, that is what a profound and consuming love begins to look like. And after Moses challenges the Israelites with this kind of love, he gives them instructions to help them do this so that they can remember who God is and what God wants to do, how to live this out. In the next few verses, it says, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the tour frames of your houses and on your gates. So not only were they to be aware of God and in his, in his presence, but they were to, pers- to have this affection for God in their lives and, and, and have their alliance and allegiance to God. Allegiance is based on, on God's word and what he says. We've got to be committed to God's commands and what his word says. Then this involves more than just a, a casual reading of the Bible once in a while. This is why we do a reading plan. This is why we challenge you. To, to, do, to get into the word daily. Get into the word till the word gets into you. We need to take it to heart. This is what God is saying here. Meditate on it. Right? Get into the word and, and remember it. Write it on your hearts. God knew that if his word was in our hearts, if it was part of who we are, it would lead our way. It would guide our steps. Psalms reminds us of this. 119 verse 105 reminds us. It says, Thy word is the lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. We need to hide God's word on our heart. It's the authority for, for all that we do. And far too often, our lives are lived as we please, according to our own word and our own wants. When his word is in our hearts, when his word is guiding our steps, our steps are different. When we stray from this, this is when we begin to, to kind of miss the mark. Again, Psalm 119 verse 10 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But knowing and living it, living it out isn't just for them that time. He wasn't just saying just the Israel. This is for us now. This is a responsibility we have concerning the word of God that goes beyond their hearts. They were, they were committed to teach the word to their children and do it, do it diligently. That's a different level, right? Just saying it but doing it diligently is completely different. Moses knew that a generation had failed to hear God's word and to heed it. And that generation, if they continued to do so, would be a generation that continued to fail God's directions. Moses witnessed hearts of rebellion in his lifetime in the wilderness. And that led to this wandering and not being able to enter the promised land at an earlier state. There's an important aspect to this responsibility that we need to consider, that word diligently. Diligence. It, it, this is what it means. It means to wet or sharpen. Wetting or sharpening a knife is, is a process. It's consistent. It's repetitive. It's time-consuming. It's precise. This is how we're to teach our children the ways and the, and the word of God until it penetrates their own soul, their own being. 
where God's word is heard so often that it literally becomes part of their lives. We saturate our children with it. This is beyond the responsibility of of Blue Ash Community Church and, and our children's ministry, although we come and we partner with you in this, but we can't carry the responsibility of that. But the reality is if God's word's not in our heart that way, we will never instill it into our children that way. Then Moses challenged them to go beyond their own children when he said, talk, uh, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Their allegiance to God must be reached beyond the privacy of their own homes. Our allegiance to God is, doesn't just mean that God is, is spiritual and those things only are talked about in the, in the comfort of our own home and our, in our, in our own circles. But it does mean we don't neglect that, right? When we're out with our friends, that's not all we talk about. But when the opportunity presents itself, we talk about the things that matter to us. Here are some questions we can ask ourselves. How much are we talking about God at home? Like, how often does that conversation come up? How much are we bringing God into moments of frustration, celebrations, hurts, doubts, decisions, whether those are small or big decisions? Are we modeling? Are we inviting our kids and spouses into our conversations with God? Are we slowing down enough to be intentional about talking and listening to the one who gave us his spirit? The one who, the one who died on a cross so that he could send us a spirit, that we, he can walk with us, that he can talk to us, that he's in consistent relationship with us. How often do we talk about God outside of the comfort of our own home? I mean, if you're in a relationship or you're married, how often do you talk about God with that person? As a family, how often are you talking about it with your kids? Our call as disciples of Jesus, as one of God's kids, is to speak about God's mercy and his grace, to love his people, we meet along the way. But Moses also challenged them to tie God's word, his commands, as symbols on their hands and bind them on their foreheads. This is hard for us to kind of imagine. The New King James Version says it this way, they, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. Frontlets, rather. They, these were things that you wore on your head, and they contain passages of scripture. The Jews would literally bind them on their bodies as reminders of the word of God. Everybody would see this. Everybody would know what this was. It was an outward public testimony of their allegiance to God and their, their commitment to serve God. And finally, they instructed to write the scriptures on the door frames of their houses and their gates. Think about that impact that might have had. Just those daily practices. When they leave in the morning, they'd see these verses. When they'd come home, they'd see it on the gates in the evening. It was a reminder. This served as a consistent reminder of their obedience, effort, dedication, and action towards God. I wonder what reminders we could have in our daily lives. What are the things we could do? How could we take the things they did and apply them to our, our daily lives? What are some things that we could do to remind ourselves of God's word and his spirit? What, what could we do to keep God's word in the forefront of our own minds and our own lives. Think about that. Get creative with it. How can we make sure that we're following God's design for our own lives? In what ways can we show that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, with everything, with our whole life? Because if we don't leave each morning with God's word in us, 
It's easy to find ourselves drifting throughout the day, and that's not how God's designed us to live. He wants us to be in constant communion with him. And, and, and when we leave without spending time with God, I talked about this a few weeks ago, the day seems to kind of get away from us, and it's hard to get back. We have to decide that that's important, that we want to leave with God in us. If we begin each day with Christ in our minds, it makes a difference throughout the day. When we get home in the evening, we need to remind it of, of God as well. This is where sometimes it's a struggle to reflect back, remember the day. Again, we could ask ourselves some questions each day and reflect on how well we did, how well we allowed God to lead our day. One of the questions is, did I do all that I could for God's glory today? Was I a positive witness for God with my coworkers, my neighbors, my classmates, my community, my family, or my spouse? Did I stay true to what God has clearly outlined for my life as a follower of his, the values that he has? Did I spend time with God today? Did I thank God for the blessings in my life? I'm doing a journal now. The first thing it asks is, what are you grateful for? Spend time doing that. You go, okay, God, I'm sick of listening to the same six things. I know I have a lot more to be grateful for. Speak to me in those things. Did I ask for God's forgiveness for my sins in my life? Did I spend God's money in a way that reflected his goodness? Did I, did I invest or sow any of his financial uh, blessings in my life as spiritual seed? And no doubt, we all need to be reminded of the, of the Shema, to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts soul and mind. We could certainly benefit from praying this twice a day as the Israelites did. No, no doubt we could ask God to continue to be our guide and our leader in our life. But imagine if we really did this. Think about the impact that it would have in our lives and those that we would come in contact with. One of the questions I've been asked of, of many about the whole Thrive campaign is, how would this expansion attract more people to Blue Ash Community Church. We're still going to be at the heart of who we do. We're still going to love on the community and do, not, do outreaches. But i got to be honest, that's not the main reason we do outreaches, to grow the church. It's literally to love people where they are. Certainly people come. We'll still do other things to try to attract people to our church. But really, the way we're going to continue to grow and, and have an impact as a community is you guys sitting in the seats. right? It's an, it's an invitation it's how we live our lives. It's the followers of Jesus in any community. The more we become like Jesus, the more we become like God, the more people will be compelled to know what it is we are doing. The more we become like Jesus, the more we will want people to have what we have. The more we allow God to lead and guide our lives, the more joy we'll have in our lives. The more like Jesus we are, the more people we will naturally invite. And in all honesty, the more people that will watch us go through the circumstances and difficult ones in life, and we carry it in such a way that is God-honoring, they'll start to ask, what is it that you have? We'll be more transformed by the Spirit of God. We'll trust Him more. It's his power, His Spirit will be more evident in our lives. That's how. And the more like Jesus we are, the more we believe we're going to live out our mission to go to the missing, love the marginalized, and live as God's kids. Naturally, out of our own lives, not just here in these walls. So we could read Deuteronomy 6, 4-5. through 5, Hear, O Israel, or should I say, Hear, O Blue Ash Community Church, the Lord our God, 
the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. I mean, let's just do that, right? Let's just love God with everything that we have and the way we know how. There is no perfect way to do this. It's continuing to pursue him. We can help with disciplines. We can help with community. That's what we're here for. We're here to continue to equip you to pursue God well. But let's trust his ways are far better than our own ways. Let's work with effort to hear, to know more about who God is and how to love God more. That's how we live out this Shema, by listening, by paying attention, responding with action in obedience to Jesus, his word, and his spirit. Again, this is why we do small groups. This is why we have reading plans. This is why anybody on the the leadership team or staff would be honored to have coffee with you to explain these and explore how we do this well. This is what it is called to be a disciple, a learner of Jesus. Grab your connect cards that Janet spoke about when you came in that were in your program. If you don't have one of these and you didn't grab a program, there's some in the seat backs in front of you. And again, I challenge and encourage you just to fill out what you're comfortable with, even if it's just your name. And then write down on the back a next step you feel like God is asking you to do. What's he challenging you to do? How can you leave here loving God a little more, pursuing him a little more with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength? I'm going to offer a few next steps that you may take, but you may have one of your own. Drop it in the offering when it goes by in just a few minutes. But the first one is this, the most important one every week, accept Christ for the first time. If you've not made this decision to say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, as the author of your life, as the one as we love him, he changes us. He changes us from the inside out. And I say this, like if you could have changed yourself, you would have already done it. Jesus is the change agent. I can tell you who I was before Christ and how that impacted my marriage and who I was after Christ and how different that is. You can ask my wife how different life looks like after I said yes to Jesus. And if you've made that decision, note that on the Connect card, drop it in the offering. Be sure to grab some resources in the back. We are going to follow up with you. You're not meant to know. Do this journey and figure it all out on your own. The Bible is a we book, not a me book. It's meant to be read in community. The second is live out the Shema. Listen, pay attention, and respond with action and obedience to Jesus, his word, and his spirit. I've had a lot of conversations the last two or three weeks about a reading plan because it's pretty aggressive. It's four or five chapters a day every day, right? And it's easy to get behind and think, i got to go make all that up. Don't do that. Just start where we are today. Don't worry about all that stuff. And here's the other thing I'd say. If you're going to say, which is more important, Andy, that I would check the box of the five chapters, got it, or I would read until God did something and journal and sit there for a while, read until God reveals something and stay there. If that's three verses in, that's all you get, but God has revealed something, he's challenged you, he's, he's taught you more about himself, that's why we get into the word. That's why we do the reading plan. It isn't just to check a box and go, I read through the entire Bible, but I can tell you maybe one or two times that God speak to me because I was so worried about reading the words. Right? That's not, that's not life-changing. God will reveal himself. His word will not return void. That's a promise. Do we believe it or not? 
but live it out. Let's pay attention. Let's listen. The third is receive prayer. Lots of ways you can do that. You can write it on the Connect card. You email us at prayer at blueashcc.com. You can leverage the, the prayer wall back there where you can write it out, your prayer. Let everybody see it. Everybody's welcome to pray. If nobody sees it because it's turned the other way, prayer teams, staff, we pray for those. What I think is the best way to receive prayer this morning is in person. We'll have prayer teams up here to my right in the back corner on my left. And just go up there and say, this is what I want prayer for. It could be a blessing. I want God to bless. I want God to reveal me. I, wanna, I just want to know him more. I want hunger to know him more. It could be anything that's going on in your life. We believe God heals. <laughs> There's a story from Thursday night's uh, worship night. God healed somebody. Because that's the power of God. And we believe God still heals today. So if you need healing for something, go back with boldness and confidence that God's going to meet you right there. And the last one's our memory verse, which is my life verse. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I have uh, these notes and thoughts that I keep on my Evernote. And I haven't read them in a while, but in the worship night, I felt compelled to read through those. Uh, Some of them are just leadership things. Most of them are spiritual things. Some of them are definitions. And I came across where at some point I wrote what courage, one definition of courage is. It's the resilience of fear, not the absence of it. <clears throat> Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? doesn't mean you're not going to be fearful. It's resistance to it, right? It's not the absence of it. And it's trusting God. That's what this is. That's my reminder. I need to trust God, God's strength and his courage, not my fears and my courage. Go ahead and receive our offering. I encourage you to drop your connect cards in there as well. And if you have a communion elements, now's the time to take those out. If you don't have them, you want them, they're still up by the door. And we do this in remembrance of who Jesus is, what Jesus did for us. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Scripture reminds us over and over to do this in remembrance of him when we gather together, we're reminded of his love for us, that he poured out everything. He loved us with all of his heart, all of his mind, with all of his strength. He was obedient, obedient to the cross. He was courageous, even though he asked God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. So when we do this, we're saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. But then we're saying, I want to do everything I can. I'm in line with what you stand for. And I want to live my life in a way that's honoring to you. I want to pursue you with all that you've given me. Let me pray. God, thanks. Thanks for this history lesson of the things that Moses is going to tell them, the things that they've struggled with, the things that God has shown up with. And so, God, I would pray as we read through Deuteronomy and our reading plan that you would reveal to us our own journey with you where we've been all in and where we've, we've drifted away. And then God, help us to live this out. Help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, with all of our, with all of our soul, Lord. God, a little each day. That's when we talk about guiding our path and guiding our steps. It's one step at a time. And it'll be a lifelong journey. 
thank you for that, that we can continue to engage with you and learn more about you and see you in different ways and experience your love in new ways. We say yes. We say yes to you because your plan's better than my plan. Your ways are better than my ways. So God, use your word, use your spirit to guide it. Use your word and spirit to challenge. And God, thank you that you use your word and your spirit to change. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to sit and stand or stand. Can't do both at the same time. That'd be hard. Uh, And receive prayer.